Hey guys, um, it's been a few weeks since I've done an episode. Um, I've done two episodes. I just did not publish them because I wasn't satisfied with them. Uh, we're going to be going into Daniel, but I feel like there should be some correction made to the vocabulary that has been taught versus what the vocabulary actually means. Um, we're still carrying information over from with what we've been gathering, um, and that's everything since Genesis to you know the seven seals and revelations. We got the four living creatures. We're looking at them as star dates. First one, lion being Leo. Uh, the dates of Leo. You had white rider with the bow. He is white because he had the bow, and the bow was Judah. So as a Christian during the star dates of Leo. And uh, getting a crown and going out and conquering and to conquer. And that would be the first horn of the beast coming up out of the earth like a lamb speaking like a dragon. Horn being a king because lambs don't have horns. You have two lambs in the book of Revelations, I believe. Uh, One has two horns and that's the beast coming up out of the earth uh, speaking like a dragon. And each king being a horn. Each one will be lamb-like. And then there's also a, a horn with, or lamb with seven horns. But in that context, you're told that those are the spirits. So you still, you got a lamb with seven horns and you got lamb or two horns like a lamb. So it's, it's a poem that we are basically trying to uh, understand. And we got Constantine the Gray as the first seal. Then we have... The second seal, well, with Constantine the Great, uh, Constantus Augustus, that would have been his name. And then when he got the crown during the Stardates of Leo, he would have gained the title Rex. And Constantus Augustus Rex would equal 666, which would basically fill in the blanks of most of Revelations dealing with the uh, covenant and relationship being synonymous with marriage. And that's where Daniel... Uh, brings up saints and calls them uh, they refer to as virgins and I believe that uh, Catholicism teaches that if you don't have sex you're a saint you have a God that tells you to be fruitful and multiply so I hardly doubt that's the case but you are told by Paul you were prepared as virgins in unity the marriage of the Messiah so a virgin would be somebody in more or less just waiting uh, not doing anything where you have the Torah. Hopefully, I got to do an episode on the Torah. Um, the Torah says do not add to or take away from these laws. Um, depending on how legalistic your perspective is, uh, that may seem a little nerve-wracking. Um, there is a mitzvah that says if two men get into a fight... You and the wife of one grabs the other man's penis here to cut her hand off. Now, you're told why not to add or take away from the law, and it says so you don't go and whore after other gods. So, I highly doubt if I don't cut a woman's hand off, I'm not going to whore after another god. So, I mean, I feel like the Torah is pretty self explanatory, but um, I still got to do an episode on it. Um, but a lot of the Torah language does show up in prophecy. Uh, but Daniel, he mentions saints. 
and in the grand scheme of things, yes, it is so it is a waiting game. Uh, let's see. What else Daniel talk about? Daniel talks, he carries over this uh, one significant part. I've got to do a Christian commentary uh, cross-examination, I guess. Um, I'm still having to let go of everything. I was taught by Western Church. Um, and there's this portion in Daniel where it says, the people of the prince to come uh, will trample the temple and... He will make a strong covenant with them for one week. And with that strong covenant for one week, um, I feel that has something to do with, I'm not going to say like the action of the second seal, but we are looking at the second seal. Red Rider who had power to take peace on the earth so everybody could kill each other. That would be the watchman of Ephraim, uh, Shiloh. There's so much into that um that covenant being what it was a revelation 10 mighty angel with a rainbow on his forehead and seven uh thunders seven commandments of noah uh the symbolism of the location of it being on the forehead is basically when you know god because a lot of people say they know god and they do things that obviously piss god off so We've got that with the covenant and ideally with what Hosea is telling us about putting it into the feast that would match up because Noah wasn't given the feast. But, you know, you got the Talmud that says, I've talked about Talmud. I don't understand it. It seems like a bunch of incomplete thoughts. There's not enough to go into it, not enough to really defend, but it's there. They say the... They call them the Noahide laws, and they say they're for the Gentiles, but the Torah says it's for all flesh, so that's a little bit, like, incriminating, I guess, self-incriminating, but whatever. So, in Daniel, Daniel's got, he has several visions, but he also interprets a dream, and that was uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And this dream that he interprets is very important because it, like, outlines even Revelation chapter 13 about the 10 toes on the statue. So you've got your head, Babylon, your arms and legs, Medes and Persians, your thighs, Greece, your legs. I don't want to call it Rome anymore. I just want to call it Edom. And then we're going to have potter's clay. That would be Shiloh. And then you got your 10 toes. And then... There's a lot going on in the toes. There's a lot of things going on. We got Daniel saying that this individual pays attention to those who forsake the covenant. And that would be Edom. And that would, I haven't gone back to Isaiah. I've talked about what is it like Isaiah 63. Um, we got the wine press chapter of Isaiah matching up with the judgment on the whore which would be Edom. So it's, it's a lot of bad shit. Uh, <coughs> let's see. Then Asher. Asher being the third one. We got Balaam and Numbers 24. Um, 
He says he sees the ships from Kittim attack Asher. And what's interesting about this is we've got these three bees coming up out of the sea in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, head of a lion, feet of a bear, body of a leopard. Uh, leopard, Greece, lion, Babylon, bear, the Medes and Persians with the three ribs told to devour much flesh. That's Okay, yes, yeah, so that beast coming up out of the sea will be those three kingdoms, but also the first three tiers of Nebuchadnezzar's statue in Daniel 2. But you're told, I forget what chapter it is in Daniel, it says that this one king isn't from the kingdom of Greece. And then that one, I think... It's the king in the north uh, that has the ships from Kittim attack him, which will be who Balaam says is Asher. So, like I said, this is unfortunate because this is a podcast. This will be so much easier if it was visual, but it's not. So, I, I need I need to make it visual. What I need because I need to go back and look at it because it's a lot of details. But Jack, why are you pulling on me? Go. You don't want to be near me? Go. Get the hell on. I'm not here walking my dog again. Uh, with Daniel, there is a lot of stuff going on. There is a lot of vocabulary that has been... It, the, the original meaning has been detached from it. Um... So I'm going to have to go back through Daniel. As I said, this is probably going to be a multiple part. I want to keep this episode short and at least say that I have tried to do an episode, but it's not, it's not very easy to do with Daniel. Um, A lot of these visions pay attention to what's said at the end. Uh, some of these visions end with uh, still at this book toward the time of the end where knowledge increases and man moved to and fro. And so many of these visions tell you when they happen. And a lot of people have attached these visions to individuals such as Alexander the Great. While there is a lot of historical, like you, you can see it in history. Yes, it's not got the full thing to it. You don't have nobody going and paying attention to those who forsake the covenant. You don't have the ships from Kittim attacking them. You don't have the dead raising up. This is your rapture. We're finally getting to the rapture, what or what people call the rapture, I guess. Um, Daniel, Daniel and Paul and the Messiah talk about it a little bit, but I don't feel like it's what people think it is. Um, so I guess I will be learning a little bit about that, but we've also got the fourth seal, uh, the covenant with death, followed by God's four judgments, war, famine, pestilence, and wild animal. So there's also probably a misconception of what death is. A lot of people call it an afterlife I think death is the afterlife. I believe in a second life. Second life and afterlife are two different things. But with death, 
it's like a lot of people say they see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's where science usually says, well, no, that's just the color leaving the iris of your pupil. So what the Bible actually says, there's not a verse to go to this. It's more of a taught concept based off of what you're told that actually happens. Some people believe when you die, you go to heaven. Paul says when you die, you sleep. So... There's obviously a lost, like, communication somewhere. So, um, with death, you're told there's this place called Shul, or Hell, or Tartarus, or just call it a box. It's it's very easy to illustrate, um, but you've got a lot to this teaching. You got this book of life. You got these blessings and these curses based off of obedience. I guess we could call it that. And what this book of life is, is this a record of the people that have walked this earth, and more or less. And based off of whether or not you can... Hmm, based off whether or not your name is in this book of life is where your destination is. Now, when you've got this box, uh, this box could be seen as everything that doesn't make it into the second life. And you're only really told the people that are thrown in to Sheol. And you're also told what objects are there. In Revelations, it says that the Messiah would be, like, basically, it'd be too bright that you wouldn't need the sun. So the sun would go into the box. This is where your fire and brimstone come from. And uh, let's see, you've got Isaiah 14. Maggots. You got maggots in there, too. So you got this box with the sun, and you got this box with maggots. And then you've also got this king of Babylon, who Isaiah 14 says goes in Sheol, and you also got it as the first beast going in Sheol in Revelation. So you got Isaiah and John seeing the same thing. Well, not Isaiah really seeing it, but he's telling you to sing this song. So, uh, let's see. It's it's all bad stuff, really. But in the grand scheme of things, everything that doesn't make it into the second life goes in this box. And that's that's what this covenant with death could be seen as. It's a, a covenant with this this box. Now there is a lot of I don't word this
when you think about why all of this, paying attention to the illustration or the moral and all of this, where we're taking everything back, you know, speaking like a dragon, false worship, graven images, false mark of authority, just being religion, putting God inside of a box to keep you from living with God. That's where uh, King Solomon said in uh, Ecclesiastes, I believe it's King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes that man's purpose in life is to obey the commandments. And now saying that can sound religious, but when you pay attention to what the commandments are actually put there for, is to keep you living with God or, or the creator, whatever you want to call him or whatever. But it's not, I don't see it as ever being realistic. I see it more as what Judaism calls the revelation of Moses on Sinai. And some people may believe that, you know, all this stuff was told throughout generations all the way from Adam to Moses. I don't see it like that. I see more or less that aside from mitzvahs and Moses's obvious family history, like remembering stuff, a lot of this is just God telling Moses a story to which point you have a problem in Judaism, the revelation of Moses on Sinai, because Torah, when God said, come up here and I will give you my Torah, Torah should be seen as instruction rather than law. And then when you understand it at that, when you understand it that way, Moses was teaching God's teachings before he ever went up Mount Sinai. And it was, it was in a, it was in a, it was in a campsite and he had been uh, counseling all these people. He was helping them with all of their cases. And his father-in-law came up, Jethro, and he asked him, Moses, what have you been doing? He said, well, I've been here all day helping people with all of their cases and teaching them God's teachings. So he's already said he's teaching them God's teachings. And if you look up Exodus chapter 18, this is where I'm pulling it from. You read that in Hebrew. He's telling them he's teaching them God's Torah. So that's when you had this set, this obvious separation. Okay, well, maybe it Torah isn't a religion as we see it today. And that's more or less what the New Testament says about Torah. That it's, it's always been there and it's never something that should be used all the time. Like Torah changes, instructions change, and they usually are befitting to the situation to whatever will help not necessarily satisfy both parties because you know you got the whole story of solomon cutting the baby in half but he never really did it but it totally freaked out that one woman so there's still there's still this understanding that torah is just resolving a matter peacefully but not everybody's going to be happy uh, that's just, uh, life, unfortunately, but that's the best way I can explain Torah. 
is that it's, I mean, who, who said this? Was it Jude? I can't remember. He said, uh, whoever knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it is sinning. And knowing that sin is transgression of Torah, it's just hate. That's all it is. And that is more or less this uh, acquiring the knowledge of how the sacrificial system actually works and with the transgression of the covenant as well. Because you want to have to be pulling from New Testament now. And the New Testament doesn't, like if you go back and you read the New Testament, Paul called the Galatians stupid. So I couldn't even imagine what he say about today. So I want to end this episode here. And try to come out with uh, more explanation of what's going on in Daniel. Um, maybe next weekend. Maybe not. More than likely not. It's been crazy. Alright, later.